It's Saturday between 9 and 11 right here. I just encourage you as the body of Christ to pray over that space. Ask God to move. The power of prayer, when we ask anything in his name, according to his will, he hears us. There's a room and I realize there's people that didn't hear part one. (laughs) So last week I started a two-part message on something called plan A and plan B. And what it is, is it's the enemy's plan to keep the church and keep you from moving into the fullness of his destiny for you, from experiencing all that God has for you. And so when the enemy loves to keep you in a holding pattern, did you know that? He likes you to just stay, stay there, rehearsing the same ground over and over. Have you ever experienced that? So plan A which I shared last week about, is to get you to question the very nature of who God is, what the promises of God are, and what his covenant was made for you. And that plan A included him trying to get you to not believe you are who God said you are. And so as I proceed with this message into part two, plan B... There's an important foundational truth that you have to understand, that, that you have to embrace it in order for this message to mean anything to you at all. So that's this, that the Bible tells us that our words are powerful. Do you understand that? They, they were used to create the universe, all that we see on the earth. He spoke, he said, let there be, and what, what happened? It happened, right? He spoke it into existence. That's a whole lot of power. And the Bible tells us that our words hold the power of life and death and that we eat the fruit of that. That's kind of scary. We hold the power of life and death in our tongue and we eat its fruit. It tells us that in James that our, our words actually set the course of our lives. Just like a ship has a small rudder that directs a big, huge ocean liner, it is with us that our words actually direct the course of our lives. And Jesus told the Pharisees that we actually will give an account for our words. Are you aware of that? And he says, in following that, Jesus said this to them, that our words both justify us and condemn us. So words are a really interesting property. And you actually invest in that property daily. Are you aware of that? (laughs) Your words hold such power. More power than we can really comprehend. Words flow freely from our mouth without much thought of their value. Even this week, I spoke something over myself. And um, my husband so kindly reminded me to be careful of my words because he really does understand the power of words. And so this morning, it's about the use of our word in relationship to one another. So the enemy uses plan A, and when that's not working so well, he moves to plan B. And if he can stir up things between you and I, and between one another... That's his plan. He especially uses this plan in the church. That's what's the most grievous of all. 
And interestingly enough, it's actually, his plan is quite effective. Our daily prayers ought to be what David prayed because David experienced plan B in his life over and over again. It's found in Psalms 19, 14. And he said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So this is what plan B is. Plan B is to get you to speak slander, gossip, and create offense in other believers' life. Ouch. That's his plan. And through this plan, churches have been destroyed, families have been ruined, and leaders have been discredited, all because of these three simple words, slander, gossip, and offense. So I want to start with talking about slander this morning and the power of slander. Let me define it so that we're all on the same page. It's making a false statement that damages a person's reputation. That's what slander is. I, I remember years ago when Mike and I experienced slander in our lives. And um, some men in the church spoke slanderous things about Mike and I. It probably was one of the most difficult times of my life. And I remember looking at the situation and analyzing it and thinking, how could people I love and serve faithfully actually believe such a report? And I, I was pretty young at the time probably in my late 20s, and um, I didn't really understand how destructive the enemy was, and I forgot that his goal was to kill, steal, and destroy from me. And it almost worked. But God, but God, if I had not held a deep appreciation of the word of God, which is the truth that sets us free, the enemy would have won. And that slander had a far-reaching effect, not only with those in the church, but in, in relationships that we hold dear. In some ways, in that experience I went through, the enemy did win because things changed in me. It made me withdraw, hold back, and not trust people like I used to. But I declare today that God took what the enemy meant for harm in my life, and he turned it for his glory and his good. And he's faithful, church. He is faithful. And we have to trust him. So the devil stands in the courtroom of the universe and he's making accusations against God's people. Did you know he makes accusations against you? He stands in the courtroom of heaven declaring things about you. Job was one that encountered that. Um, he, he saw the results in his life from the enemy Using accusation, do you know that he is actually called the accuser of the brethren? That's why he's called that, because he does that in our lives. He accuses you and I. And if, he's, if it's not good enough to accuse you in your ear, he accuses you before someone else. And if that doesn't work, he goes before God and he, he tries accusing you. 
So Job experienced slander from his wife. He, ex- he experienced slander from his three friends. I- I'm not sure who needs enemies when they have those kind of friends that Job had. But Job took those terrible words that cut deep into his heart. And he turned his cry and his pain and his heart to God. And he let God be his defense. It's an interesting thought. And it says in Psalms 27.5, you know the, the verse that says that uh, he's the light, we don't have to be afraid. It starts out in, in chapter 27, that. But look at what this says. In times of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Did you know God had a pavilion? <laughs> in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. Oh, He hides us. He shall set me high upon a rock. That's what the word of God says. And James tells us this, that the practice of slander is demonic, unspiritual. The list really goes on. Worldly. And Proverbs says that God hates slander. What slander does is it stabs at the heart of who we are, our value and our reputation. And it's interesting in Proverbs 22.1, it says this, Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. You see, a good name and who is, is all about who we are, our character, which is so important to us. And our character is who we are to others. My character is like you see who I am. And you walk with me, and you experience me. And that shows you my, 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 uh, who I actually am. And how you think about me. And when we talk about others, and who they are in, in the minds of others, and we, and we slander them, we, we actually are stealing from them. And we're not stewarding the treasure that belongs to them. So I read this phrase online and I stole it (laughs) I don't know who said it but it says this friends don't let friends slander I thought that was a fascinating thought friends don't let friends slander Ephesians 4 31 tells us this as the church it says get rid of all slander and you think about okay so See, as a body of Christ, as this, this body of Christ, we are so wanting to move into what God wants to do. We, we're longing for his presence. We're longing for him to move in our midst in ways we've never seen before. That's been our heart's cry. And all of us together are crying out that, and the enemy knows that, and he's saying, well, these are some ways, these are some things we can do that can stop that. But I love this in Psalms 15, One through three. Listen to this. It says, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? It says, those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. It's important. Our mouth 
And our words to one another is so critical. The, the, the slander that we have to guard against the very most, the one that we have to silence the very most, is the one that comes out of our mouth. And you think, well, I, I don't slander. But have you ever been in the store and think, how in the world would you ever come out of the house looking like that? I mean, that right in that statement, I just slandered that person. I spoke about their reputation and who they were. It is so easy for our words to be used to bring harm instead of good. Actually, slander, it flows pretty freely with people today. And it's usually done behind people's backs. And slander really quenches the Holy Spirit. It actually destroys relationships. It weakens trust and and it takes away courage. And it's probably one of the most destructive ploys that the enemy uses. And I don't know if you've experienced, but it seems like, you know, it used to be people would whisper here or whisper there or when they're away from you, they'd speak. But today, slander is so bold, it's right on your Facebook page, telling you just what you th- they think about you. And people throw out statements without proof. They tear people and ministries and governments and works and pastors and everyday people's lives apart without even a backward glance. And most of it is written as though it was utter, absolute truth. You know, I had an experience with the internet. (laughs) And I learned a really good lesson the hard way. I purchased something from Joyce Meyer's ministry through Facebook. And I fell for information that just uses people at any cost. And it cost me a couple hundred dollars, and I was angry and frustrated. And whenever, when I came to the bottom of it, it was not even Joyce Myers. Somebody had taken her name and her pictures and her stuff and has presenting for sale something, and I fell for it. But I found myself very slanderous about her and her ministry in the midst of that. And I had to repent. And I had to ask God to forgive me because it had nothing to do with her. Nothing to do with her. It was a trap. And culture will tell you this. You can say anything you want. They're just words. doesn't matter. You have no responsibility. And what do words do anyway? They're only words. Have you heard that? Have you thought that? Have you seen that? Have you seen that portrayed that you can say anything you want today? It's allowed. You can say anything you want. And that's not biblical. We have to guard the words of our mouth. We have to guard the meditations of our heart. Or it does spew out trash. Every time we engage in slander, we are working to advance the kingdom of darkness. Oh, that hurts, doesn't it? I want to know something. Why is it so easy to think the worst about people? How many times do you operate in a spirit of accusation? See, the enemy understands the power of the word, and he is always wanting to contaminate your heart and mind towards someone else. He 
does not want the church to work together in harmony. So he does everything possible to throw in stuff and ideas and thoughts that bring a different set of opinions towards one another. And there has to be a place where we say, no, we will not participate with this. We will not be a part of this. It's interesting in James 3, it says this, no one can tame the tongue. It's, a rust, it's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. You see, our words have power. And all the time we can choose if our words are going to bless or they're going to curse. Every word you use can either bring healing or hurt. That's, that's a whole lot of responsibility. Can you feel that? And God made you accountable for every word you speak. I remember years ago we had a Christian school in the church. It was when our building was in Walworth, where the Agape Boys Home is. And um, Pastor Mike had preached a message about our words. And there was a three-test thing that we said, hey, you got to pass these three tests or you don't say it. So it starts with, is it kind? So every word you say needs to pass this test. Is it kind? You have to decide for yourself, is it kind? And then number two, you have to decide, is it true? Sometimes you don't know. And if you don't know, you, you say it's not true. And the last one is, is it necessary? Is it necessary? So rarely do our words pass all three of these. I actually saw this same test in the format of the word think. And it, it included, is it inspiring? And uh, i forgotten the other one. But there was a five-point thing, and it spelled think. And every one of them, you have to pass this test before we say things. There's a big difference There is a big difference between exposing people and exposing the enemy. And it's interesting that the accuser seeks to discourage, abuse, and weaken the bride of Christ. That's his goal. And he wants to use you. And um, Christians today are slandering other believers all the time. And it's done in the name of God. And I actually believe it grieves God. I want to show you a picture of what I'm talking about. It's found in a story in John chapter 8. And Jesus is in the temple. And they bring in a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And they, they throw her down on the ground. And, and, and they, they're trying to trap Jesus. And they want him to say something of which they can accuse him of. And so you look in the story... And it says in verse 6 about, it says he stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. 
And when they continued asking him, he raised him up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the stone at her first. And then again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even till the last. And then Jesus is left alone with this woman. And she's standing there. And when Jesus raises himself up, he he saw that there was no one but the woman. And he said to them, he said to her, Woman, where are, where are those acu- that are accusing you? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Can you imagine how she responded to him? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, Jesus was about your heart. And always going after it. He wasn't about those outward things that we do. He was constantly by the power of the Holy Spirit bringing conviction into our life that we might become like him. That we might change. It wasn't, you are wrong and bad. He wasn't like that. His heart was to bring about a change because of the Holy Spirit moving in and through us. Church, we have to start having that heart. Our hearts have to be so full of what the Father's saying and doing. Our hearts have to be so full of the love of the Father that our hearts extend towards those that are not like us, that know no better. Everything about the accuser, the enemy, is to expose, to indict, and condemn. Could you see that when the woman was on the ground? You see that in full swing. But everything about the Holy Spirit is to convict, correct, and to heal. And do we understand our responsibility? Do we really? You see, we're called as people to speak life over others. Your words can actually make a difference in what happens in that person's life. The word is actually called, calls us to cover them. Look at 1 Peter 4.8. I actually found one in the old and in the new, and it's only one of many. But it says this in 1 Peter 4.8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. You see, when I see a problem, I cover it and go to you privately and encourage you that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that you can find a solution to what you're dealing with. Instead of to others, look at Proverbs ten twelve. It's an interesting verse. It says, hatred stirs up strife. But love covers all sin. Love covers all sins. Love covers all sins. Is that where we go? Is that what we do with the people at our workplace? With the people in our home? With the people in our church? Is that what we do? Do we love them into the kingdom? Love them and cover them, their weaknesses. I, 
I don't know if you know it or not, but slander has a really good friend. It's called gossip. I, I came across this. I'd like to read it to you because it says it all. It says, who am I? I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cruel and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society, and my victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I'm nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and ruin marriages. I destroy careers and cause heartache and sleepless nights. I wreak havoc. I wreak havoc in churches and I separate Christians. I spawn suspicious and and generate grief. I make innocent, innocent people cry on their pillows. Even my name is hissed. I am gossip. Gossip defined is casual or unconstrained conversations and reports about people typically involving details that were intended to be private or have not been confirmed. It's interesting in Proverbs chapter 26, it says this, the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles and they go deep into the innermost body. And that's what gossip really does. And it wounds. It wounds deeply. How many times have we entertained gossip? It's an interesting thought that if you listen to gossip, you're as guilty as if you're the one speaking gossip. Gossip is sin, and God hates gossip. And there's many verses that speak against it. It actually says in Proverbs 6, it lists the things that God hates, six things that he hates. He said the seventh is an abomination. And do you want to know what it is? It's one who sows discord among the brethren. And God hates that. And we don't really think about our words being, that we speak about one another being sin. We're just... Passing on information, it's just telling what's happening around us, right? It's just sharing news. We surround it with all kinds of word to justify what we do. But the Bible is clear about the sin of gossip. And there is a verse that has been meaning so much to me. And I am striving to walk it out. I'm hoping that you will join me in this Striving to walk out this verse is found in Ephesians 4.29. And I'm using the New King James Version and it says this. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Okay, we've heard that before, no corrupt word. But then get this. But what is good for necessary edification? Are your words edifying someone else? That you might impart grace to the hearers. Just think of every word we said. 
Every word I spoke with you, I in some way encouraged you and imparted grace to you. That all of my words that I spoke, everything I said to my husband, everything I said to my children, to my grandchildren, to my church, everything I said in the car to the drivers in front of me, everything I said in the store in my irritation of long lines and annoying people, if I would make sure that my words... My words would be for necessary edification that I would impart grace to them. I I really want that even as a life verse, that that's who I am, that my words would impart grace to the hearers. We have to be careful to what we listen to and what we read about others, believers. Do not be taken in by trash talk or, or people that gossip about other Christians. They are meant to damage your heart and to keep you from grace and purity. I'm sometimes appalled by what's written about specific ministries. And the reason I can say that with such is because I've had things written about me. I've had things spoken about me. And I, I stood before him and I'm like, no. You know, how do you repute what people are spreading about you? We have to guard what we read. We have to guard what we listen to. We have to guard what we believe. We have to hold the word of God as the thing we cling to and that we let our words be full of life and hope. God is very able to deal with people. You know, I've even been convicted of my words about our president. Because the word says to honor those who are in authority over you. It doesn't say to trash talk them. And so we have to guard our mouths. And we have to be careful what we say and what we think and what we do. This is a trap, church. It's a trap to destroy us and to destroy the church. And to destroy the movement of what God is wanting to do. Christ is the head of the church, and he is very able. He is very able to deal with those that are out of line. Oh, my word, he is very able to deal with me. He comes, and he convicts me of sin and unrighteousness. He says, what are you saying that for? What do you let that come out of your mouth for? What are you doing, Ruth? He is very able to do that. And if we allow him, he will be that guard in our mouth and our heart. It's an interesting thing that gossip goes out and reputations and lives are destroyed. But there's no way to take it back in. And I I saw this illustration about it. It was about a, um, a man that had told so many malicious untruths about the local rabbi (laughs) that he was overcome with remorse, remorse, and he begged the rabbi to forgive him. And the rabbi, he says, tell me, how can I make amends? And the rabbi sighed, and he said this, take two pillows, go to the public square, and cut the pillows open, and wave them in the air, and then come back. So the rumor monger quickly went home, he got pillows and a knife, Hastened to the square, he cut the pillows open, he waved them in the air, and he hastened back to the rabbi's chambers. He said, I did what you said, rabbi. 
Good, the rabbi smiled. Now, to realize how much harm is done by gossip, I want you to go back to the square and, and collect all the feathers. That's impossible. And it's impossible to undo what gossip does, so we have to stop it before it comes out of our mouths. What if I told you every time you gossip, someone died? Would you still engage in it? The spiritual damage of gossip can be worse than any physical death. Gossip brings wounds that leave people bleeding and injured. And as the days are growing darker and darker, the church has to unite and walk in love like never before. Chris, in Corinthians chapter 13, called the love chapter, and we're all familiar with that, it says a lot of things about love. But it says one thing that I cling to and I hang on to, and it says this, that love never fails. It doesn't matter who you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. The truth is this, that love never fails. It never fails. It, do you actually believe that love works? See, we have to guard our mouths and make sure that what we speak is life-giving and full of hope and full of love. And so we need our hearts and mind filled with what Philippians 4, 8 says this. It says, think on these things, whatsoever good, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think on these things. They are excellent and worthy of praise. I want to, so there's three parts. There's slander, there's gossip, and there's offense. But offense is such a huge thing that it can be someday another message by its own. Because I I really believe that how the enemy loves to get us is through a spirit of offense inside of us. But I covered the slander and the gossip today. And so I want to conclude with a verse out of Psalms 141, verse 3. And I actually would love for you to read it with me. It says this. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do you know who prayed that? David prayed that. That was his prayer. That he's the one that wrote that. He was a man who many rumors were spoken of. He was accused of so many things he didn't do. And he had to continuously work on his heart that he would keep a right heart and a right attitude in the midst of of all that was happening. That it was between him and God and knowing that God would take care of all of that. And this needs to be our prayer too. So we can clearly say how the enemy has used slander and gossip to destroy. And he wants us so busy with one another and our faults and problems that we keep our eyes fixed on those things instead of on him. That's plan B in a nutshell. He wants you to so be involved this way that you can't see what's happening and what God is wanting to do. God is challenging us as a body to purify our mouths, to do a checkup, and rid ourselves of every area the enemy wants to use. And let us be a people who speak the things that Jesus would speak, 
who live the way Jesus lived, who love the way Jesus loved. It actually says that we can be his fragrance on the earth. Let's be the fragrance of Christ on the earth. And how do we do that? We do that by keeping our eyes fixed on him, the author and finisher of our faith. So this morning, I feel like I was supposed to pray over you. If you have been on the receiving end of slander, I felt like God wanted me to pray over you this morning. You see, whenever I'm working on messages, he he goes deep and and he really um, shows me things that are in me. And I feel like he brought such healing to me that I want to share that healing with you. Does that sound good? So if you're here this morning and you've ever been on the receiving end of slander, which I would guess is most of you, um, would you stand? join together and pray over you that God would bring healing to the wounds within you that you would be free to be able to be who he wants you to be oh Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord Lord, you see those that are standing here this morning and you see their hearts. And I'm asking you to pull the thorn out of the wounds that they've encountered through the vice of slander. I just saw the master's hand uh, stitching with a needle and thread. Healing, bringing healing. So I speak healing over you. I speak healing to the wounds within you, seen or unseen, understood the depth or not. I thank you, Father God, for bringing about a miraculous healing to their lives, a freedom, Lord. Your word says that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so we ask for freedom this morning, freedom from the ploy of the enemy who's tried to destroy us. I ask that you would hide us in your pavilion this morning, Lord. That you would hide us in your secret place and minister to us. And we just receive from you this morning the healing from your hand. Go deep, Lord, in each of them. I actually believe he would love to speak something to you. So just say, what do you want to say to me about this, Lord? receive from your hand healing and strength we receive the cleansing of your spirit 
we receive the working of your peace in our lives. <clears throat> Pour out your peace upon us. We receive, O oh Lord, the joy of your spirit filling us. Hallelujah. And we ask, Lord, that you would set a watch over our mouths as well. That our words would be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. As I was praying yesterday, I, I was worshiping and just before him, and I saw like a circle around me with like um, confetti in it all over, just blowing around and around in and through me. And I felt like the Lord was saying that it was his presence bringing healing to me, bringing his just coming over me. And so it was interesting at prayer time this morning, we're just praying and all of a sudden I saw this room and it was full of that colorful confetti and his presence is here. Whether you feel it or not, his presence is here and it's here to minister and to meet the needs that you have today. So just receive from Papa, receive from his hand this morning. And ask him to bring to your mind that you would guard every word you say and that you would be one that brings necessary edification and grace to the hearers by the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen and amen. Put your hand in your heart this morning and receive his peace today. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Go in his grace. There'll be people up front.